bite-sized birthday biography podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Mira. This is a daily podcast which shines a spotlight on a person born on this day at some point in history somewhere in the world who made a positive lasting impact. Today, October 2nd, we're going to celebrate the birth and life of Robert Henry Lawrence Jr., Air Force officer and the first African-American astronaut. I want to talk for a second about my use of adjectives in this show. When I describe someone as the first female fill-in-the-blank or the first black fill-in-the-blank, my intention is not at all to demean or subjugate the person we're learning about or to minimize their accomplishments or attempt to kind of pigeonhole their life. It's something that I choose to mention because they were the first person of a group that had been systematically and historically barricaded from attaining this feat, whatever it may be. Today, if we introduce someone or talk about someone in terms of race and gender when it comes to their accomplishments, I agree, it just sounds gross. If I said like, hey, this is my friend, she's a black female engineer, that's just ridiculous. She's an engineer, period. But there was a time, and a not too far away one, when white, male, and hetero was the default. Actually, one could argue that it still very much is. So when these change makers that we talk about in the show, these groundbreakers become the first person of color or the first woman or the first LGBTQ person to infiltrate the stagnant water of a particular field, they laid the first brick in a path for others to follow. So like today, when I describe Robert Lawrence as the first African-American astronaut, it is not my intention at all to isolate him with descriptive adjectives. It's my intention to honor him for breaking a barrier. And when I say breaking a barrier, let's clear up what that means for a second. Being black or Latino or Native American or gay or trans or female, none of these things are barriers. None of them. Barriers are things like racism, homophobia, transphobia, sexism. These are the barriers that need to be shattered and burned. So let's get into our human in history today. Major Robert Henry Lawrence Jr., So Robert was born in Chicago in 1935. There is not a lot on his childhood that I could uncover in any of the eight sources that I used, aside from the fact that he went to uh, Haynes Elementary School. The only elementary school with a similar name in Chicago is the John Charles Haynes Public School, which is a K through eight in the heart of Chinatown. According to the Chicago Public Schools webpage, it's currently an 82% Asian and 81% low socioeconomic school. This might add some weight to a claim in a December 9th, 1967 Eugene Register Guard newspaper that said that Robert, quote, was raised in a Chicago slum that had since been razzed for an urban renewal project. We do know that his mother's name was Gwendolyn Duncan and that Robert had at least one sibling who would go on to become Dr. Barbara Lawrence. So pretty much big blank for his childhood until high school. He graduated from Englewood High School at 16 in the top 10% of his class in 1952. In 2005, the Chicago Public School Board voted to close uh, this high school due to poor performance. They ended up staggering the closing a few years to allow freshmen to graduate, but by 2008, it was one of the worst performing high schools in the country. The structure is still standing, but it's now being used as two separate charter schools. So Robert graduates from that school in 1952, and he moves on to Bradley University, which was a private college in Peoria, Illinois, about 2.5 hours southwest of Chicago. 
So while attending Bradley, he joined the Omega Psi Phi fraternity. That's a historically black fraternity. It was founded at Howard University in 1911, making it the first historically black fraternity to be founded at a historically black college. The fraternity has some pretty impressive alumni, aside from Robert, including the Reverend Jesse Jackson, Michael Jordan, Steve Harvey, and Shaquille O'Neal. Robert graduates with a bachelor's in chemistry in 1956 at 20 years old. He becomes a cadet commander in the Air Force ROTC, becoming second lieutenant in the Air Force Reserve Program. He completed his flight training at Malden Air Force Base in Missouri, officially becoming a U.S. Air Force pilot at 21. The next year, in 1957, he married Barbara Cress. Two years later, they would have a son named Tracy. For the next few years, he worked on getting his flight hours in, racking up over 2,500, 2,000 of which were in jets. Simultaneously, he was also completing a PhD in physical chemistry from Ohio State University. His doctoral thesis was the mechanism of the tritium beta ray induced exchange reaction of deuterium with methane and ethane in the gas phase. If you're expecting an explanation of what that means, you're going to be waiting a long time. So in June of 1967, he completes the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School at Edwards Air Force Base in Southern California. Edwards AFB is in Kern County. That's about two hours northeast of Los Angeles. A few weeks after completing test pilot school, he was chosen by the Air Force to be an astronaut in their manned orbital laboratory program. This appointment made Major Robert Henry Lawrence Jr., the United States' first black astronaut. This was a totally cutting-edge program that he was now a part of, the first of its kind, one that would take military pilots and train them to be the first Air Force astronauts. So a press conference was held to share the announcement of his appointment, as well as the three other astronauts chosen, uh, being Lieutenant Colonel Robert T. Harris, Major Donald H. Peterson, and Major James A. Abrahamson. During this conference... A reporter seriously asked Robert, will you have to sit in the back seat of the capsule? So crazy. All the astronauts thankfully laughed at the absurdity of that comment. Uh, Another reporter in the audience asked if this appointment was some kind of giant leap forward for race relations. And Robert answered very coolly, no, I don't think so. It's another one of those things that we look forward to in civil rights. Normal progression. When Major Peterson was asked if he was reluctant to work with a black man, as in the black man sitting right next to him, he replied that he was not at all, but he couldn't speak for all the people in Mississippi. So real fun press conference for Robert, to be sure. On December 8th, 1967, Robert got into the rear seat of an F-104D starfighter in the sharp cold of a desert winter afternoon. Seated in front of him as pilot in command was Major Harvey Royer, the operations chief at the Aerospace Research Pilot School. Their jet climbed quickly to 25,000 feet where it stabilized and they began to practice uh, approaches which were meant to simulate how a space plane would return from orbit. They began a maneuver where the jet would hit 330 miles per hour while maintaining a 25-degree glide slope during the dive. For reference, the average airliner glide slope is 3 degrees. So they set the thrust at idle power and they fully extended all the speed brakes and flaps and landing gear. Their goal was to land a very fast moving jet whose impetus or desire to fly had been removed. They practiced this maneuver successfully a couple times and then they tried it one last time. The jet shot down towards the runway, smashing into it, 
2,200 feet from the approach end. The main gears collapsed on contact with the runway and the canopy shattered. The underside of the plane sparked into flame. The fuselage came loose. It dragged down the runway for 214 feet before the plane was borne upwards again. Then it smashed down again, banked to the left, and was borne upwards once more by the momentum. The undercarriage of the plane was now completely on fire from the first contact with the runway. So the plane shoots off the runway entirely and it just begins to fall apart. Parts of the aircraft just ripping off as it tumbled and spun into a fiery mess. Harvey and Robert both ejected. Harvey's parachute deployed and he was critically injured but alive. Robert's parachute never deployed. When rescue crews arrived, Robert was pronounced dead still strapped into the ejected seat after having been dragged 75 feet from the wreck. It's hard to know if this tragedy contributed in some way to the collapse of the manned orbital lab program, if the Air Force saw it as now too much of a liability, or if part of the soul of the endeavor just died with Robert that day. Regardless of the reason, the MOL program was shut down by the Nixon administration two years later in June of 1969, if the program had moved forward successfully, the four astronauts, including Major Lawrence, would have been the first to live and work aboard a space station way before any Russian cosmonaut or NASA astronaut did. When the program was canceled, the astronauts on Robert's team all transferred to NASA, piloting the space shuttle in the 1980s. Had Robert lived, he would have certainly been on the space shuttle with them as well. Maybe it was due to his race. Maybe it was due to the fact that the program shut down. Maybe it was due to the fact that he never actually made it to the space station, but whatever the reason, Major Robert Lawrence Jr. was not acknowledged as the first black astronaut for three decades. It wasn't until December 8, 1997, 30 years to the day of his death, that the Astronauts Memorial Foundation persuaded NASA, the Air Force, and the Defense Department to formally acknowledge his groundbreaking achievements in an official ceremony. It was attended by his mother, Gwendolyn, his sister, Dr. Barbara Lawrence, and his widow, Barbara Cress. Major Robert Lawrence Jr.'s name is now the 17th name on the Astronauts Memorial Foundation Space Mirror. This is a monument at the John F. Kennedy Space Center in Florida, which honors astronauts who lost their lives during or while preparing for space missions. My sources today were the Astronauts Memorial Foundation, Wikipedia, Air and Space, the U.S. Department of Defense, archive clippings from a December 9, 1967 Eugene Register Guard newspaper, NASA, PBS, Great African American Men in History, Volume 2 by Henry Epps, and Ohio State University. Thank you so much for joining me for our birthday celebration of Major Robert Lawrence Jr. Please join me tomorrow, October 3rd, when we celebrate the birth and life of Karl von Osetsky, German anti-Nazi journalist and the only Nobel Prize laureate to die in Nazi custody. See you then. Thank you.